Welcome to ShimmyCast episode 21. I'm your host, Anala Rabari. This is a full show. There are a ton of event announcements. We have a review of a Corey Zamora DVD, and we have part one and an interview with Princess Farhana that I uh, did at ShimmyFest. The music for this week's show is from Cargo Cult and Rhonda Lawrence. And just as a reminder, submissions for the next article contest will be due November 6th at noon Greenwich Mean Time. All the guidelines are the same as the previous contest, and you can check those out on the forum board. And just to let you guys know, uh, review submissions are always accepted. You just need to send them on to shimmycast at gmail.com. So let's get started with answers to the question of the week. So last week, right after I finished editing the show, I got an answer to the question, what is the most unusual place you've performed or been asked to perform? And I didn't have time to edit it into last week's show, so I'm going to share it with you all now. So this comes from uh, Rebecca, who is in Washington, D.C., and she writes, Hi, Anala. Before I answer the question of the week, I just wanted to say thank you for starting this podcast. I've been dancing for about a year and I'm absolutely addicted and I feel like I've learned a lot from you already. The most unusual place I've performed probably doesn't seem all that unusual at first. I was at a cabin with my friends on a lake over Labor Day. And while we were sitting around the campfire, they asked me to belly dance for them. I put some music on my iHome and tried to belly dance as well as I could. But dancing on sand proved to be very difficult since I couldn't get a strong foothold. I fell down over and over, but I still kept trying. And my friends seemed to enjoy my performance. To tell the truth, I think they were more entertained by my falling over than by my actual dancing. Keep up the good work, Rebecca. And thanks for that answer, Rebecca. And I, I can tell you, sand is very hard to dance on. So you were brave to even try to do that. And hopefully you didn't suffer any injuries <laughs> in some of the falls that you took. And um, just keep practicing and you're going to get better and better. And I know you'll continue to enjoy it. And now your shimmy cast news. October 12th through 15th, Jillian of the Belly Dance Superstars will be having a workshop in Sao Paulo, Brazil. October 13th through the 15th, Hasim and Serena Ramsey present the Egyptian Dance Workshops and Live Concerts in Dublin, Ireland. October 13th through 15th, Tito in Workshop in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. October 14th, Zoe of the Belly Dance Superstars will be having a workshop in San Anselmo, California. October 14th, Ramarha Hair with a tribal double sword workshop in Miami Beach, Florida. 
October 14th, Cami Little of the Belly Dance Superstars will be having a workshop in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. October 14th, workshop with Katia of Boston in Mount Pelier, Vermont. There will be a show that evening starting at 7.30. October 14th, Psychedelic Music, Brazilian Rhythms, and Belly Dance in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. October 14th, Sony of the Belly Dance Superstars will be having a workshop in Homewood, Alabama. October 14th through 15th, the Durga Tour featuring Gothic Belly Dance Workshops by Tempest and Alira and includes a fusion tribal gothic-themed hofla, Hips Noir, which will be held at the Clarion Hotel in Springfield, Missouri. October 15th, Petite Jamila of the Billy Dance Superstars will be having a workshop in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. October 15th, Focus on Finger Symbols and Shimmies, workshop in Minneapolis, Minnesota. October 15th, the 14th semi-annual Dancers Bazaar will be held in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. This is a shopping mecca for the belly dance student, professional, and curious alike. October 15th, Silk Road Workshop in Southville, Bristol, United Kingdom. October 15th, Sonia of the Belly Dance Superstars will be having a workshop in Smyrna, Georgia. October 20th, Rockway and the Cavemen in Charlottesville, Virginia. October 20th, Moving Your Veils to Perfection Workshop by Bonzinka in Miami Beach, Florida. October 20th through the 22nd, the second annual Where the Mid-East Meets the Midwest Festival in Chicago, Illinois. October 20th through the 22nd, the fifth annual Luna Gitana Belly Dance Festival in Santa Cruz, California. October 21st through 22nd, Colorado Springs Zilfest in Colorado Springs, Colorado. October 21st through the 22nd, Habibi Hawaii, Honolulu's premier belly dance festival and celebration in Honolulu, Hawaii. October 21st, how to position yourself as the obvious belly dance expert and double your income workshop in Charlottesville, Virginia. October 21st, Hips of Fury competition and workshops in Palmdale, California. October 21st, FANA 2 Halloween Extravaganza Showcase in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. October 21st, Live Belly Dancing at Charisma of India in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. October 22nd, Gypsy Fire will be performing at Oktoberfest in Tulsa, Oklahoma. October 22nd, Flamenco from Middle Eastern Dancers in Minneapolis, Minnesota. October 25th, the Belly Dance Superstars will be performing in Ventura, California. October 25th through the 29th, Stella Mora will be having concerts in Sevilla, Spain. October 27th, and a Fleming workshop in Baltimore, Maryland. October 27th, the Belly Dance Superstars will be performing in Tucson, Arizona. October 27th, Halloween for Badria. This is a breast cancer benefit in Munchie, Indiana. October 27th and 28th, Rachel Bryce in workshop and pirate dinner party performance in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
October 27th through the 29th workshop and show with Diana Tarkin of Cairo, Egypt in North Hollywood, California. October 28th, Bewitching Belly Dance Ball Workshop and Show in Ontario, Canada. October 28th, the Belly Dance Superstars will be performing in Flagstaff, Arizona. October 28th, Halloween Workshop by Urban Gypsy in New Orleans, Louisiana. October 28th, Expressions in Oriental 8 Workshop and Show in Grand Rapids, Michigan. October 28th through 29th, Tribal Pearl Workshop and Show in Brussels, Belgium. October 28th through 29th, Keshi Chai from the Belly Dance Superstars will have workshops and a performance in Sydney, Australia. October 28th through 30th, Rhythm and Ritual Dance Theater Workshops in Bellingen, Northern New South Wales, Australia. October 29th, Asim and Kemi Little of the Belly Dance Superstars will be having a workshop in Sedona, Arizona. October 29th, Anasaz, 11th Annual King Tut Returns Show in Sherman Oaks, Van Nuys, California. October 29th, Gypsy Carnival Enterprises presents a Halloween showcase in Netley, New Jersey. October 31st, the Belly Dance Superstars will be performing in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This has been the ShimmyCast News for this week and as always... This has been the ShimmyCast News for this week, and as always... This week's review is of Belly Dance Lesson 2, Standing Moves with Corey Zamora, and it's reviewed by Nala Rabari. This is a very simple DVD. There are no extra frills or anything of that nature. Um, and the set design and everything for the DVD is also very simple. Um, I was kind of disturbed that there was no warm-up or cool-down with the program. However, I think Corey Zamora uses great illustrative language, such as when she's teaching a hip circle, she says to imagine that there's a hula hoop around you and you're going to trace the hoop with your hips. Um, I, I really like that illustration, and it's one that I hadn't heard before, and it's a really simple one, too. Um, she breaks a move down and demonstrates it several times. She then adds halftime zills and demonstrates it with the halftime zills. And then she picks up the tempo and adds full-time zills. Everything is demonstrated going to the left and the right, as well as forward and backward. She also has you execute the moves in place and traveling. So you get to practice the move in just about any way you could want to use it. Of course, there are the drawbacks that every DVD suffers and that you find yourself wishing they would show the move from a different angle. Like, you know, they're showing it front on and you're like, oh, I wish I could see it, you know, see her do that in profile. Um, but again, that's a problem you have with all DVDs. Towards the end of the workout, she then... Uh, puts a sequence of moves together. And I like the program because I have yet to see another video that breaks down the zill plane with a movement the way this one does. Um, it's 
she does a fantastic job in that she explains how to fit the rhythm that you're playing on the zills in with the movement and such so as breaking it down and when you're on the back half of the circle you should you know by the time you start to move to the other back half you should have completed this one lick of a zill pattern and so on and I really like that and the other thing that this video has that I haven't seen in a lot of other videos or DVDs is that there is a ton of close-up on the dancer's feet so you can really see the weight changes very well for each movement and as a lot of us knows a lot of times the movement is all about changing the weight, how the weight is distributed across your whole foot. So I was really excited to see a video that did so many close-ups of the feet. And then they also did a lot of close-ups of the hip area. And then they'd zoom out and you'd see the whole body of the dancer. So I was very impressed with that. Most of this tape concentrates on foot movements, um, but she does go over what the arms could be doing during these moves. Uh, apparently, she does more arm movements in her Lesson 1 DVD, which I haven't seen. Um, the exercise portion ends with her calling out movements in a routine to music by the Brothers of the Ballady. And she does both a slow song and a fast song. So again, you get to practice the moves at different speeds. Uh, the DVD ends with a short tutorial on buying and playing zills and a performance demonstrated by Corey Zamora. And like I said, it's not really that this DVD is covering any new moves, but like I, like I said, it really, I find it invaluable to see a dancer's feet and really get that idea of the foot movement that I haven't seen in a lot of other DVDs. And that's why I would recommend to anybody to really take a look at this DVD because that's just awesome. This week's first song is Mirrored Image from the album Vibrant by Cargo Cult.
we haven't got any emails or feedback this week, which um, that's okay. Um, it, it's actually a good thing for me because I've been a little busy and um, I'm starting to develop a sinus infection. <laughs> so I'm actually at the moment like, yay, that's less I have to read. <laughs> um, but next week, I plan on feeling better, so you guys can send email to shimmycast at gmail.com. You can post on the forum at shimmycast.blogspot.com. Uh, feel free to send us an audio. Just go to um, the website page, and there on the right-hand corner, there's a cute little logo that says Send Audio, and you just use the microphone in your computer to send me a voicemail message that I can then put on the show so everyone can actually hear you in your own voice. Uh, feel free to vote for us on Podcast Alley or, Pod or Podcast Pickle. And, you know, leave reviews on iTunes and also sign up on the Frapper Map. Let us know where you live so we can see how the ShimmyCast community is growing. So, as you all know, I went to Shimmy Fest this past weekend, and let me tell you, it was a fabulous experience. I always love Shimmy Fest. Um, I'm hoping at some point I'll be able to make time and go to some other workshops and stuff, too, and um, travel around the country a little more doing belly dance and meet more of you guys out there and talk to more of you as well. Um I, just, I love going to workshops because there is nothing like being in a room of, you know, 50 or more dancers. And it's just so overwhelming to look around and be like, there are this many people who share a passion for something that I am passionate about too. And you get to make great new friends and you get to learn cool new things and, oh my gosh, the vendors, it's always so awesome. I put a down payment on my first pair of Isis swings. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm getting Isis swings. Which means that probably at some point in the future, there will be an article, nearly everything you need to know about Isis swings. Because you guys know how I like to write those kind of articles. Um, but anyway, I'm digressing. Uh, I was really fortunate that Princess Farhana, who was the workshop facilitator, graciously agreed to let me have an interview with her. She's from Hollywood, California, and she is just a fabulous dancer. Oh my gosh, I I could watch her dance over and over and over again, and to learn from her is she's a fantastic teacher too. If you ever get the chance to take a class with Princess Farhana, go do it. It's great. So um, what you're going to be hearing is the first part of my interview with her. The second half of the interview will be next week. And then two weeks from now, you're going to hear a series of short interviews that I did with a number of dancers from Shimmy Fest. And I'm really excited about doing this um, Number one, Princess Farhana, like I said, she is 
a big time professional dancer. So I'm just thrilled that I got an interview with her and she was very gracious to me and, um, gave me some pointers and stuff for the show, which you guys will be bidding, bidding, benefiting from shortly. And then this stuff with the other dancers, I'm just really excited about because I'm excited to give you guys the opportunity to hear the voices of a number of different dancers and their opinions on various belly dance stuff. And this is really the epitome of what I want ShimmyCast to be for you guys. So I'm very excited that I've been able to do this. But for now, I'll stop gabbing and we'll start listening to what Princess Farhana and I talked about. So I am here with Princess Farhana, who is from Hollywood, California. And I wanted to ask you, what is your earliest memory of belly dance? My earliest memory of belly dance um, is probably seeing, I'm sure it was probably either Rita Hayworth in the movie Salome or Hedy Lamarr in Samson and Delilah or just some random scene from a Sinbad movie. Um, because by the time I saw the James Bond film from Russia with Love, I already knew what belly dancing was and I already knew that I wanted to do it. But I um, also thought that that was the same thing as saying, I want to be a ballerina and an astronaut. Like I, n I never thought that this would be my life's vocation. How did you finally get into belly dance then? Well, I actually, um, I didn't, I've been doing it for about 16 years now, but I didn't start doing it until I was 32. As you can tell, I'm not weird about stating my age, and I'd never really had any dance training. I was dancing at a club one night in Los Angeles, and this girl came up to me in the ladies' room and asked me if I was a belly dancer. And I said, no, why? And she said, oh, because you move like one. And then all of a sudden it clicked in me, and I'm like, why are you asking me? Are you a belly dancer? And she said, Yes, and I was like, oh, I want to see you. I want to see you, and then and then I pretty much started stalking her. <laughs> no, not really, but I mean, like yeah. I pestered her until she let me come to a gig, and then I was like, I was forcing her to like show me steps, and we'd be like at a party or something, you know, and we'd be locked away in a bedroom, like doing figure eights with margaritas in our hands or something, and people would be <laughs> banging on the door, thinking that we were, um, you know, in there doing drugs or something. <laughs> You know, and, and then they'd open the door and we'd just be sitting there dancing. And they'd be like, what are you doing? And who have you studied under since then? Um, my main, my primary teacher in Los Angeles was Zara Zuhair, who was straight Egyptian style. And I studied a lot with Raya Hassan from Egypt, like both when she first came to America and then on the many times that I've been to Egypt, I would study with her privately. And, uh, she was amazing and a huge influence. I studied with Ida Noor, Dina, um, Sahra Saida a little bit. She, she, cause she lived in Los Angeles, but we live very far. LA's really spread out, but, um, she was always one of my total idols and I've taken a few workshops from her and actually we're friends now. I love her. She's, she still makes me scream like a girl at a Beatles concert. Um, I'm really, I try to study with whoever I can, and lately, like in the past two years, I've been traveling a lot, like constantly, and teaching at festivals, and it's really been bumming me out because I'm 
co-teaching with so many amazing people. But by the time you get to the festival, teach your classes, do your show, you know, do any kind of promo or private lessons or preps or anything, then, like, the last thing you want to do is dance more. So I've sat in on a lot of people's classes, like people like Morocco or, um, like, Jim Boz or just, like, amazing people that are friends as well as dancers I admire. But I'm usually, like, too wiped out to take their classes or I'm, like, too sore or something. And so I've been really sad about that. And what is your favorite dance move? My favorite dance move? Uh, probably, like, it's the whole, for me, it's probably the whole family of undulations. But my own personal trademark is the flundulation, which is an abdominal flutter layered with an undulation. That, I've seen it. It's wonderful. It's one of my favorite moves that you do. <laughs> and what's your favorite prop to work with? Oh, my God. I've got, I've got, it used to be sword. And, uh. Now I'm really I'm really into using giant feather fans, but I still I still love to balance anything on my head. I mean, give me a bottle of water and it's on my head. <laughs> I've danced with like you know centerpieces from tables on my head. Um, I had a cat on my head once, a live cat when I was dancing. Although that was at a party that wasn't um, you know that wasn't for a stage <laughs> show or something. I like using all sorts of props. I mean, also things. I just have to say this: things that I don't consider props are symbols and veils. I know a lot of people consider them props, but I just consider that part of the regular curricula. Um, one of our listeners submitted questions. What it was, what do you always have to have in your dance bag? Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> Which that brings up another listener question. Um, they've noticed when they've seen you perform and in photos that you always have a really nice, even dispersal of glitter on you <laughs> and they want to know how you get that and is there a specific brand of glitter that's better than the other okay what? you guys are gonna laugh I'll, I'll tell you this one. first of all let me tell you that i'm gonna write a book on skincare because my secret to staying so young looking is to exfoliate with glitter no i'm just <laughs> <laughs> <That works. laughs> well it does work actually my boyfriend jokes that if i ever went to an indian sweat lodge i'd be sitting on about two feet of glitter <laughs> Um, I do have to say, I know this is going to sound kind of raunchy, but um, one of my cats was using the cat litter box, you know, and um, let's just say that a whole bunch of glitter came out, and I was just like, oh, oh no, I felt like such a bad cat mom. I mean, it, glitter is my whole life. Okay, here's how, um, when I'm using glitter on my face, which is all the time, I will only use cosmetic-grade glitter, and I'm advising that to anybody. I actually once had a glitter accident in my left eye. Um, I got hit directly in the eye by my shower spray, but all my makeup wasn't off, even though I really pretty much anally take my makeup off after shows. But there was one little couple of pieces of glitter in there. And I was going to a dance festival, and the eye was started getting, like, red and swollen. I mean, the actual eyeball. So I finally left to go to the emergency room because I'm like, this is my eye. <laughs> you know, maybe I shouldn't stay here. And uh, I told the, the doctor that I got sprayed with the shower spray, and then he was looking in my eye with, like, this high-powered lens and light, and he's like, what kind of glitter makeup do you use? And I'm like, why do you ask? And he's like, well, because there's some embedded in your cornea. <laughs> and that was cosmetic-grade glitter. So I know that I'm going on a really, like, long tirade about this, but I also made my friend Tracy Hobbs, who's, like, a biologist. She, um, with her high-powered microscope, looked under a microscope at all different brands and kinds of glitter from MAC on down to craft glitter. 
and um, sent me like JPEGs of what they look like under a microscope. And I'm here to tell you that the cosmetic grade glitter is cut round or oval, and it's made out of um, plastic or like some kind of silicone. And some of the other glitter is actual metal, probably not that much anymore. Oh, yeah. But the one, the craft glitter, when you see them under a, a biological microscope, are cut like stop signs. And that will, n you never want to use that stuff around your eyes. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. So only use cosmetic grade glitter that you are sure is cosmetic grade glitter around your eyes. Now onto my body and glitter dispersal. What I do is take any kind of hand lotion, like Last night it was from the Radisson. <laughs> um, it's usually, you know, because I usually go through like a whole little sample bottle, and I put a big blob of it on my hand, and then I just pour a lot of craft glitter into it, and then I rub it around till it mixes, and then I just like very carefully coat my whole body with it. I never like throw glitter onto myself. I like totally just like mix it up with the lotion. I know someone else that uses um, it's like hair gel or dippity do, but I, I find that that also gets like a little bit flaky. The lotion seems to work the best to keep it on you. And then really for body glitter, don't spend your money, you know, I mean, just get craft glitter. That's like a dollar 49 or something, you know, but if it's anything on your face near your eyes, spend money in, on a good glitter. And I also want to recommend my favorite um, color for eye, eye glitters is uh, the pearly, it's sort of opalescent pearly glitter because, uh, you can put that on top of, you can lightly dab it onto your eyebrows without, you just dry. Mm -hmm. and, and no matter what um, colors you're wearing on your eye, it'll pick it up and just make it look sparkly. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't recommend like dark colored glitter for your face because in photos or sometimes on stage, if the lighting's not that good, it looks like blackheads. Yeah. Okay. There, there I've said my piece. Well, I'm sure they all wanted that information too. Um, how do you go about picking music that you're going to choreograph to, and how do you find good music? Um, well, things have become a lot easier with um, the Internet and MP3s and stuff, but the rule of thumb that I use for picking music that I want to work with is it's pretty basic and old-fashioned. If something gives me goosebumps when I hear it, I know immediately, and I usually know within the first few seconds of a song, like I've gone through CDs and just like press track one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and I'll be like, oh, that CD had only one usable track on it. You know what I mean? And then sometimes I have songs in reserve, you know, but it's always something, like I react with goosebumps. I know a lot of people might not, but like I'll just, there's certain artists that I like or love like really a lot more than others like th that seem to speak to me like for classical Egyptian I would have to say Um Kulthum I mean I know everybody yeah. loves her but like for example I, I love George Wasouf the Lebanese singer I mean yeah. everything he does it, he does from classical to modern pop but even his pop is it's not like just that herky-jerky you know synthesizer pop it's got like actual beautiful like Arabic instrumentation in it um, I like to pick odd songs. I try to avoid, like I can see why some songs are really, really popular. I can totally see, but I try to avoid the song of the moment, like, yeah. you know, something that might come off a CD that everyone's listening to because you know that you're going to go to a dance festival and there's going to be six people dancing to it. Yeah. Sometimes I will use song of the moment that was a moment four or five years ago because it's a good song, but by then the trend has gone by, you know what I mean? And then people are like, oh, I love this song, but like not everyone's dancing to it. I just like to look for odd or unusual things, and um, I always I always like to uh, go for songs that have a lot of rhythmic changes in them, 
or really soulful vocals, like things that you can actually bite into choreography-wise, you know, like yeah. good pauses, good tempo changes, um, you know, nice backing vocals or whatever. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your choreography process? Sometimes my it always varies. I don't I don't have something that I actually rely on. Sometimes it's song driven, like I'll hear the song first. Sometimes it's a, a total fantasy driven, right. like I think you saw last year when I did that twenties number. Yeah, yeah. Th that sort of just came to me. Um, someone gave me the crown that I was wearing. It was it was an authentic twenties tiara, you know, and mm -hmm. and I had it, and I was like, wow, I really want to do something that looks like sort of theta bear, like that teens and 20s look. And I had no idea what I was going to do or what kind of music I was going to use. I just, I saw exactly what it needed to look like. So I started making the costume, having absolutely no idea. And then I started like playing around with like poses from like old postcards, you know. And right. and also um, for that one, for me, it was particularly difficult because I had to keep my face in a certain way. Like usually, my mouth is way open and smiling when I'm <laughs> when I'm dancing, and I had to keep wanted to keep my um, lips closed so I could maintain a really good 20s rosebud mouth. And, and uh, you know, I was trying to make my eyes like bigger and wider because usually my my stage face is usually sort of closey eyes and big open mouth. So I had to do the opposite. <laughs> I had to do some facial choreography, <laughs> um, but. I knew what I wanted the dance to look like before I started the actual choreography process, and then uh, then I finally found the music for it. So that one went kind of backward. They all go in different ways. Sometimes it starts with the steps, sometimes it starts with the music, sometimes it starts with the costume. You know, it, it it's just I take it different case by case. You mentioned you made uh, that costume. Do you make most of your costumes, or do you buy them, or how do you do your costuming? I make most of my costumes. I, I have I have I have a ton of costumes. I probably have like almost sixty costumes. Cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> and my whole apartment is like covered with like headdresses and fans, and there's like six swords in there and veils and ISIS wings. I mean, it, it's insane. Um, it's, my apartment reached critical mass like years ago. Um, but I love to make the costumes. Somehow, I mean, I love buying costumes. I love looking at costumes. But a lot of times, like, I can't find a costume that I want, you know, with something crazy. Like, sometimes I'll see a costume and I'll be like, I have to have that. But other times, I'll think of something uh, like, like, for example, I use the 20s one, for example, again. I wanted to have a costume that looked like I was completely naked but with gold lace over it, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't find anything like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And um, when I'm making costumes, when I'm thinking of up numbers, especially concept numbers like that one, or I have this other, I've got a lot of them. They're really, really high concept fusion numbers. I have to make the costume because, you, like, I have this other one where I'm an opium hallucination, and I have these, like, a, <laughs> like a 20s-looking guy on the stage smoking out of an opium pipe, which is a vintage like 100-year-old opium pipe that a friend of mine found for me on eBay. And then I have a geisha girl that's like the setting up the pipe for him and mopping his brow as he's puffing away more and more. And he starts uh, getting high on the opium. And then I come out, and I wanted to represent an opium high. I know this sounds completely crazy. So I had a gigantic headdress of poppies. Like, where was I going to find that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or a shredded up costume that looked like smoke. You know what yeah. I mean? Like all gunmetal and shreds and, you know, a veil that was sort of like a transparent veil, it, but it was silk. And of course it had to be 
China silk since I was doing a Chinese thing. Yeah. So you know what I mean? I mean like stuff like that. You can't you can't buy right. things like that. So yeah. you know if you're thinking up crazy stuff like that, then you got to make it. <laughs> yeah. Um, where has been the most favorite place that you've ever performed, and why? Wow, that is so hard. Um, I thought it was really great performing in Cairo. I performed there a couple of times. Um, I just performed in London in the spring, and that was really amazing because it was the one of the clubs that I was in. It was um, it was called Souk Medina, and it was a really tiny basement club with all stucco walls, and it was all lit by um, like those little Moroccan lights with the with the glass in them, and there was. A bunch of really wonderful belly dancers there from this organization called Planet Egypt, and there was a couple of incredible Egyptian male dancers there. And um, one of them was named Shafiq Ibrahim, and I know that you'll be hearing more about him soon. He was really young; I think he's about 22. Totally cute. I mean, you know, like physically amazing dancer and really great personality, really mischievous Egyptian stage person. I mean, he, he was amazing. He's he's I know that we're all going to be hearing more about him, but um, just that night was so magic. Everyone that performed was really good, and it was just a very intimate, beautiful setting. I'm trying to think of I – love, I love performing. I've performed in so many places that are just amazing, you know, or, or uh, I've had some really crazy, insane gigs, too, that were they were just wild in the wrong ways, but they were still memorable. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one place that you want to perform but you haven't performed at yet? Um, you know, I never even thought of that. I would love to go to the Far East and Turkey to perform. I'm I'm going to uh I'd also love to go to Eastern Europe. I'm I'm going to Portugal to teach next spring in the beginning of June and I'm I'm probably not going to be performing at this, but I'm, I'm the week before I'm going to this gypsy festival in Saint Marie de la Mer, France, and I've been wanting to go to this for like 10 years. It's a uh, gypsies from all over Europe, and it's it's just like a crazy festival, and it's not sort of tourist infested or anything yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like Burning Man for gypsies or something, <laughs> but but um, it's not like it's not like a tourist destination, you know. And I'm so excited that like I'm going to be in Portugal. The week after that, so I'm just going to go early right. to see that, and I'm sure that I'm going to be going crazy the whole time, cause <laughs> hearing all the gypsy music and dancing. And... Definitely. Uh, what is the most unusual place you've performed at or been asked to perform at? Okay, that's, that's, that was one of the gigs that I was thinking of that I said okay. went crazy. Okay. I'm going to give you like the shorthand version of this. <laughs> there was this crazy Persian millionaire whose name will go unmentioned. Um, who owns a town, the whole town, whose name will also go unmentioned, <laughs> in um, Central California, who hired me and another dancer to, and also a whole Arabic band and, um, you know, some other performers to dance on this party dance festival he was having that got completely rained out. And uh, we wound up, before it, I mean, you know, the day that we were supposed to perform, you know, Santa, the place where the town was is about two hours from my house. And it wound up taking about six hours to get there because it was pouring and there was traffic jams. And by the time we got there, the outside tents were, like, sagging. And 
we were we were hanging out with the Arabic musicians who had been hired, and they, they suggested that um, we go into town, which is still about 40 minutes away from where we were staying, and at, put up at a really nice hotel, by the way. But And then finally we're like, well, where are we going? We thought we were just going to go and have dinner in town and or maybe have a drink. And they said that they were taking us to a, a male stri strip club, and we were like, What? And uh, the reason that they were taking us there was because it was a college town, and they f heard that it was male strippers at night. And I was, like, looking at them thinking, these guys can't be gay. But their reasoning was that there would be hot girls at a male strip club. <laughs> so we're sitting there with these Arabic musicians that we'd known for, like, 15 minutes, heading to watch a male strip show in the pouring rain. <laughs> And we're like, oh, my God, are we crazy? And so we went there, and then they were being really nice and polite to us because we were with them, and we were like, you know, they are being very protective of us because we were like, I guess at right. that point, quote, quote, they're women. But they were being kind of pigs <laughs> to the other girls, like these college girls trying to pick up on them. And one of them was uh, picking up on this girl who had a boyfriend there, and the boyfriend got in and got mad. So we went to the only other place in town that was open, which turned out to be this bar that everyone in town went to. It was like a fern bar. <laughs> Um, my friend, the other dancer, she went to the bathroom, and while she was in the bathroom, the guy and his girlfriend showed up there coincidentally, and one of the musicians started hitting on the girl again. Next thing you know, the guy like turned around and started swearing at him, and then the musician grabbed him and punched him, and then another one of the musicians broke a beer bottle over his head, and then the next thing you know, all the guy's friends came, and then all the rest of the musicians joined in, and we were in the middle of this fight that looked like it came out of Pulp Fiction. There, I'm not kidding, there was like chairs and tables flying through the air, the, the bouncer got the crap beaten out of him, someone went flying over the bar, there was people like hiding, like crawling away from the, t you know what I mean, there was like bottles going, and I see my friend, um, come out of the bathroom and she looks at me all the way across the room and all you could see was all this chaos going on and she mouths to me what the f you know what i mean like with her eyes all wide open and then finally she snuck up to to where i was by crawling behind tables and she's like what's going on and i'm like everybody that we just came with started this huge fight and she's like no way and so then they're like come on girls come on girls let's get out of here and so we're walking out we walked out right it's like six police cars were pulling up with their lights oh and we just were we just walked out in the line, and we just walked down the block, and we got to the car, and we were all like, that was crazy. Like, what? And then the police were just running in. They didn't even realize that we had anything to do with it. And my, yeah. my girlfriend was sitting there in, like, stunned amazement, and she's like, this kind of thing only happens when you're around. <laughs> anyway, that was, like, that was probably, oh, so that was the night before. Then we get a call at, like, 7 in the morning because the millionaire decided to have the party anyway. Even though, like, almost no one was coming. I think, like, four guests showed up. But he, he started, like, the barbecue pits going, and there was all this food, and there was the musicians, and, like, a couple of other people, and this flamenco guitarist, and, like, about eight guests total in this whole private town that this guy owned. And then this limo showed up from L.A. that had all these people that I guess were, like, pseudo-kidnapped. Like, this sleeping drag queen woke up and came out of the limo, and everyone's like, where are we? Because the last thing they knew, they'd been, like, partying on a yacht that was in Marina Del Rey, and now all of a sudden, they were like in a limo that brought them up to this town. I mean, it was crazy. This was like the Wizard of Oz and belly dancing gigs. So we're like looking around going, okay, you know. And then the millionaire wanted us to dance in this house. And he kept saying he was too hot. So finally he made his valet take 
the hinges off the door and take the door off the frame. So we were trying to dance in the middle of this house with this open door. And then because these dogs kept running through with whole racks of ribs in their mouth because there was a barbecue going on. This was definitely the craziest gig I've ever done. This was about 10 years ago this happened. Nothing will ever top this. Are you sorry you asked? <laughs> I have to say that beats my performing at a state museum conference story, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was just great. Totally not at all what I was expecting, but great. So as you guys could tell, I, I was having a ton of fun with her, and she's just such a fun person to be around. I really, I can't tell you guys how wonderful her personality is and she is such a down-to-earth person and she's so funny and so warm and inviting and I just I can't say enough gracious things about her she really is one of my favorite dancers um but I'll I'll stop going on about that because you guys are going to get to hear more of that next week so for now, let's jump into uh, next the next question of the week, which is, what move has challenged you the most and why? To answer that, you can send an email to shimmycast@gmail.com, or you can go to the forum board at shimmycast.blogspot.com. Just click on the link at the right, and that'll take you right to the forum board. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who has sent me suggestions for my trip to Chicago so far and feel free to keep them coming because, um, like I said, we're going to go in November to Chicago and we've never been before. So we're excited to hear everybody's recommendations, where to go to eat and what to do and everything. Uh, finally, it's time for the second music pick of the week. This song is Vanishing from the album Winter Moon by Rhonda Lawrence. I hope you all enjoy, and until next week, this is Anala Rabari saying shimmy on.
Thanks again for listening to ShimmyCast. You can leave us feedback at shimmycast at gmail.com and be sure to visit our website and forum at www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again.